Hello, and welcome to the Not Boring Thursday edition. Today we have a special one. We have a guest post by Ali Montag. Uh, you may be familiar with her work. She wrote Opposites Attract, Yeezy and KKW, a Not Boring guest post about the different approaches that Kanye and Kim Kardashian West took to building their empires. It's a great read. You should go back and read it. Uh, Ali is our first two-time guest poster here at Not Boring. Uh, it's one that I'm excited about. Because Pooja and I are pretty big HGTV fans. Property Brothers, House Hunters, House Hunters International, Flip or Flop, Love It or List It. But since Fixer Upper wrapped on April 3rd, 2018, we've had a chip and Joanna gain size all in our lives. It kind of felt like they'd abandoned us. But while we were moving out of our apartment this week and throwing out some old dishes that weren't moving with us, I turned over the coffee mug that I drank from every morning to see who made it so that we could buy the same ones again. It said Magnolia. That sounded familiar, because at the same time, Not Boring's first two-time guest writer, Ali Montag, was hard at work on a piece called Monopolies and Magnolias, about a growing empire that includes, among many other things, a kitchenware line. Turns out, Chip and Joanna Gaines had been with us all along. So let's get to it. Monopolies and Magnolias by Ali Montag. Close your eyes and think about the word monopoly. What do you see? Maybe you see Mark Zuckerberg hunched over a laptop. Maybe you see Tim Cook inspecting a prototype. Maybe you see Jeff Bezos stroking an evil white cat. I see Joanna Gaines. She's spooning buttercream frosting onto a tray of warm brownies. Her kitchen is warm and white. Her five children and husband Chip scamper in for a taste. In the distance, a cow roaming their Texas ranch might moo. This is the promise of Magnolia a media and lifestyle brand in Waco, Texas. It's one of the most expansive linear commerce companies you may never have heard of. Here, we'll take a look at why. What started as a TV show, Chip and Joanna Gaines rose to fame using shiplap, white paint, and bright wood floors to spruce up dilapidated farmhouses on HGTV's Fixer Upper has become a sprawling business. From the start of their show in 2013 to the end of their show in 2018, Chip and Joanna elevated from reaching an audience to owning an audience. If you're not familiar with the Magnolia Empire, let's go through it. It includes direct-to-consumer products from candles to kitchenware, a line of home goods at Target, a line of wallpaper at Home Depot, a line of pillows and rugs in Anthropology, a brand of paint, a luxury hotel, a real estate agency with offices in seven cities, a list of properties for rent by the night, booked ad infinitum, a print magazine published by Meredith, the publisher's most successful print launch, print launch to date, according to the WSJ, a best-selling book on home decorating, and two cookbooks that hold the number one and number two slot on the New York Times bestsellers list in May from Joanna, a memoir from Chip, and a children's book about gardening written by Book. On Instagram, Joanna has 12.5 million followers, Chip has 5 million, and Magnolia itself has 5 million. And soon, they're going to have a cable network. Then there's Magnolia HQ in Waco. There are the restaurants, a coffee shop, Magnolia Press, a bakery, Silos Baking Co., and a full-service eatery, Magnolia Table. Average wait time for a party of two? One hour and 45 minutes. There is the shopping center. Two historic grain silos have been turned into 12,000 square feet of showrooms for, for Magnolia products, with a $10 million construction project underway to add a church, a baseball stadium, and six more retail shops. 1.7 million people went to Waco to shop at Magnolia in just the first few months of 2018. Visitors can sip an iced latte, shop for throw pillows, and purchase a buttery biscuit all in one spot. 
So how did Magnolia get so big? Why am I calling it a monopoly? First, let's start with definitions. I'm not using the FTC's anti-competition, bad for consumers, Microsoft is the worst definition of monopoly. I'm using this definition of monopoly, which is much simpler. A company that is the only seller in a market with no other close substitutes. There are two ways to build a monopoly. One is the traditional way we think of, build a product with such a high barrier to entry that no no competitor can catch you. The other, just pay attention to an audience everyone else is ignoring. This is the Magnolia strategy. Their brand connects with an audience often ignored. Middle age, middle class, middle American women. Brands and what they signal. Many of us who work in startups own a bunch of the same brands. Allbirds sneakers, Outdoor Voices leggings, Everlane wide leg pants, Great Jones skillets, parachute sheets, Swell water bottles, AirPods, memberships at Equinox, etc. Owning these brands told the world a few things about us. We shopped on Instagram. We knew a lot of acronyms, MVP, CAC, LTV, CPC. We had an opinion on using Rome versus Notion. We valued sustainability and disruption. In a certain coastal ecosystem, these products are status symbols. Historically, status symbols have been Veblen goods. A Veblen good is a good where its demand is a function of its price. As the price of the good goes up, the demand for the good increases too. Author Elizabeth Currid Hawkett says, Veblen goods put wealth on display. Silver spoons are a classic example. A silver spoon is not valuable because it's more functional than an aluminum one. In fact, it doesn't look that different than all these other metals. It is valuable because it is silver, and it is rare, and it costs more. In the 18th century, if you wanted to signal status among the aristocracy, real silverware was a must purchase. Corsets are another example. Want to show the world you're rich and enjoying a life of leisure? Strap yourself into a torture chamber that proves that you couldn't possibly be doing any labor. But today, Veblen goods, which strictly derive their value from their price, are out of favor. It's unpopular to show off wealth for wealth's sake. Instead, our modern status symbols signal our social capital. This razor is more sustainable, signals that you care about the environment. This candle brand is women-owned, signals that you care about supporting women in business. This bag of spinach is organic, signals that you care about eating healthy. Consumers pay a premium to signal that they care. Herod Halkett calls this conscious consumerism, a practice of purchasing goods to reveal a set of shared values in order to earn social capital among a peer group. Here's an example of my own conscious consumerism. I spent $100 on a pair of Allbirds this year. Sustainable shoes sounded nice. A neutral carbon footprint is great. And everyone else had them. I wore them at project management meetings and on coffee dates in Soho. But there's a catch with this new twist on Devlin Goods. If you change the peer group, you change the value of the signal. Back home with my family in Texas, my Allbirds are useless. I can't wear them to dig around in the dirt in the backyard. I can't wear them to go running. I probably can't wear them to lunch with my grandmother. Here, all birds provide neither increased utility nor signal for social capital. In short, different audiences put a premium on different signals. Warby Parker, Casper, and Bonobos led a wave of sweeping disruption for consumer brands in the early 2010s. There's an exciting new brand for every product category from toothpaste to air conditioners. But most of these emerging brands began by targeting young, 
high-earning knowledge workers in cities. Audiences seeking one particular sort of signal, yoga, green smoothies, optimization, peak performance, disruption, wellness, sustainability, etc. What about audiences with different social capital? What about plumbers in Detroit? What about school teachers in Arkansas? What about the elderly in New Orleans? What about veterans in Miami? What about your mom? When was the last time your mom discovered a brand that she felt truly connected to? Unlike SoulCycle, Soylent, Peloton, Goop, Whole Foods, Reformation, or dozens of other top lifestyle brands, Magnolia is not about optimization. It isn't about improvement. There is no intermittent fasting in Waco, Texas. No one is skipping any meals here. Magnolia is about slowing down. It's about watching the sunset and enjoying a plate of chocolate chip cookies with your family. It's about using real full-fat butter. That's a signal many American women are eager to open their pocketbooks to share. I think that people relate because her food is not pretentious. It's not for the elites. It just brings people together. One superfan told the New York Times about buying Joanna Gaines' latest cookbook. It's also an accessible luxury. Destination shopping, think buying an Hermes bag in Paris or splurging on a bespoke suit in, in Italy, has always been a thing for the rich, writes Vox's The Goods. It's much more affordable for most people to road trip to Waco to spend $10 or even $1,000 on trendy housewares. But signaling social values is a fraught endeavor. In the case of Magnolia, it's critical to raise questions about who is included in the aspirational messaging and who isn't. The Gaineses are often cited as a prime force in the revitalization of Waco's downtown over the last decade, and more rarely, criticized as serial gentrifiers who have made home prices and real estate taxes unaffordable for longtime locals, the New York Times reports. They have never stated their personal views on the matter, but their shows, unlike many other home makeover programs, have yet to feature a gay couple or family. Chip Gaines responded to these criticisms in 2017, writing, we care about you for the simple fact that you are a person, our neighbor on planet Earth. It's not about what color your skin is, how much money you have in the bank, your political affiliation, sexual orientation, gender, nationality, or faith. That's all fascinating, but it cannot add or take away from the reality that we're already pulling for you. Whether aspirational brands are based in Manhattan or Waco, selling a signal is easier than delivering the change behind it. Still, consumers continue to line up for brands with big promises. We're desperate to care about something. We're desperate to be understood. Mostly, we're desperate to fit in. Magnolia is a monopoly because it serves an audience with few other exciting options. Women from Dallas to Tulsa rave about Joanna's banana bread, her penchant for choosing just the right paint color, and the loving relationship we has, she has with her husband and five children. Lighting a $28 Valencia orange scented candle from Magnolia send, sends a signal to house guests, family members, and yourself. Home is important. Five seasons of Fixer Upper on HGTV allowed Chip and Joanna Gaines to reach an untapped audience. The next step, developing product lines, cookbooks, restaurants, and a magazine specifically for that audience is a page right out of the Linear Commerce Playbook. They have the best timing of anyone I've ever worked with, Meredith Magazine's president, Doug Olson, said about the launch of Magnolia Journal. They were going to launch a magazine when no one else was doing magazines. Consider this stat from Fast Company. In 2012, when Fixer Upper started, the company's business was 100% construction. By 2016, it was 80% retail. Today, the company employs 500 people. 
Magnolia is private, so it doesn't disclose revenue, but Grojo estimates that it generates $68 million in annual revenue, and Grojo typically undershoots. And Magnolia could supersede its initial audience and explode in 2020. Signals for living a slower life, taking pleasure in the little things, and enjoying a home-cooked dinner are now appealing to a much broader population than they once were. 40 million Americans are unemployed. The signals that were once so important, performance, optimization, success, now seem a bit silly. It also doesn't hurt to be selling a line of housewares and home improvement products when everyone is moving out of the city to buy a home. Consumers have big questions to contend with without our offices, haircuts, and commutes. Who are we? Where do we fit in? What communities do we belong to? What what identities do we cherish? Who is being listened to? And who is being ignored? The brands that can help answer those questions, honestly, without false promises, and with a focus on serving populations at the margins, will be best poised to succeed. That's all for today's Not Boring Audio Edition. Uh, If you love the piece as much as I did, you can follow Ali on Twitter. Uh, There's a link in the article and in the audio version of the article. Um, And come back for more. We'll see you again on Monday. Have a great 4th of July weekend.